Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. CTFM. Hello, good evening, and welcome to Eyewitness News live from our studios at number 11. Dr. Maltin Loop in Adaraka, Accra, with me, Ni Lati Lati. Tonight, I'm here with Eno Safo. And coming up over the next 90 minutes, Ghana's insurance industry on the brink of collapse. Why? Because of government's proposed debt exchange program. Tonight, the Ghana Insurance Association of Ghana says. It doesn't want to have anything to do with that plan. We delve into the concerns of the group. Anything short of an exemption will have far-reaching consequences for the insurance industry and the important role they play in protecting assets and liabilities of this country. Still on eyewitness news, what appears to be the long-standing turf war between Ghanaian traders and their counterparts from Nigeria seems to be rearing its ugly heads again. This time, Guta is threatening to close shops belonging to Nigerians permanently. Also, national executive election of the position National Democratic Congress takes off tomorrow. In Cape Coast, we assess the party's level of preparation ahead of the polls for the election of the National Youth and Women's Organizer. Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more on these on Eyewitness News and in business. Enterprises operating under free zones urged to embrace international competition. That will be in the next 15 minutes with Enu Safo for the top stories in the world of business. Eyewitness News is live across the country on our partner stations on Premier 100.5 FM, Beach 105.5 FM and Sky Power 93.5 FM all in Takrade in the western region if you are listening to us in the bono region this is greener 95.9 fm in sunyani orange 107.9 fm in kumasi in the shanti region right 90.1 fm in sumanya in the eastern region the volta region this is holy 98.5 fm in aplahoda suma 99.1 fm in yendi in the northern region word 88.3 fm in zwarungu in the upper east region and bugli radio 88.6 FM in Wa in the Upper West Region. The show is also live on Facebook and YouTube and on 97.3 CTFM on Facebook and on our YouTube channel, CityTube. Eyewitness News is an interactive program. Tell us what you make of the story. Share your views and thoughts with us via WhatsApp on 0549-986-996. 0549-986-996. This it's Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. My name is Ni Lati Lati here with Inosafo. Tonight, our first story has to do uh, with government debt exchange program. There is more opposi- opposition to that particular plan. Twelve groups, as we know, are kicking against the move today. One more stakeholder in the insurance space, that's the Ghana Insurance Association, is kicking against it despite the government assurances and that from the central bank. So the story is that the Ghana Insurance Association wants insurance companies exempted from the government's domestic debt exchange program. Well, the association says that 40% of its total asset for the third quarter of 2022 has been invested in government 
of Ghana securities, while an additional 10% is exposed uh, to the licensed banks, which will also be affected if the program is carried out. The Insurance Association therefore warns that should government go ahead and include insurance companies in the program, this will lead to a collapse of the insurance industry because it will not be able to pay claims of clients. Let's hear from the president of the association, Seth Kobla Aklasi. Insurance companies must be exempted from the domestic debt exchange. In uncertain times like this, entities must protect their assets through insurance, which is a key risk management tool. Anything short of an exemption will have far-reaching consequences for the insurance industry and the important role they play in protecting assets and liabilities of this country. This will also discourage the citizenry from taking up life and annuity policies. That's president of the Ghana Insurance Association, Seth Kobla Aklachi, speaking there to us. Let's go back to that association and get more. And Dr. Aaron Issa. Anafure is the first vice chair of the Ghana Insurance Association of Ghana. Good evening to you, sir, and thank you for joining us here on Eyewitness News. Good evening to you and to your listeners. All right, let's begin from here. First, help us appreciate really uh, your concern for the program that government says intends to put the country's fiscals, uh, fiscals on the track, on the right track, and for the greater good of players in the financial sector and uh, such as yours? As you rightly said, insurance is, um, is there to pay claims. Most of the time, when they say insurance, then you should think about claims. And we have two types of insurance. We have the non-life and life. Whichever way the life side is setting that it will happen, people will die whether we like it or not. Okay, and people will come for their money when they are matured. And people will even come for policy loans, whatever they want. So it's like a bank. It's cash cow. Everybody wants it, and they come for their money. And we pay, combined, we pay our $4 million a day, claims and loans, both non-life and life. If you go to the life the non-life section too, if you insure your car today for, let's say, $100,000, and you get a claim today, today, and you want to settle that claim, the amount that you are going to to to, to spend on buying the on buying the parts to replace will be way way above ten times what you the premium that you paid. So there's no nothing is remaining in the in both insurance, the non-life and the life sector. The insurance company, apart from motor which is compulsory, all the rest we are struggling to get people to insure. In life we are struggling to get people to do other others. So the numbers there are not much, and the little that we have, we have to use it to pay claims. Like rightly said, we put we the non-life alone made about 4.9 million all in securities because we have to put some money aside to be able to meet claims. The life put about 6.6 million also to put aside to pay claims. Combined was where we put 11.5. 40% of this is all in GOGs. So if you if you decide to give zero coupon or zero interest twenty twenty three, it means that claims will not be paid because when we're going to get the money to pay the claims. We rely on the interest to back up with the life to be able to pay maturities and other things. So if you take it away, then the life becomes a Korea. You can't pay claims. The same way inflation is so high that 
spare parts replacement are so high. So the non-life side is suffering, the life side is suffering. So we are saying that this we should be exempted. For God's sake, we should be exempted. Because if we go the way we are going, we are not going to have any insurance company surviving. Notwithstanding the fact that we recently recapitalized. Okay? So that is what we are telling the minister now. That please, we should be left to manage what we are doing now. Because we are not, we are not laughing to put in quotes. So this one will even aggravate our, our, our woes. So that's why we are saying that we should be left. Because after all, non-life made a, a loss, complete and a writing loss of 15 million. You come to a life, 340 million, you know, and a writing loss. So all that we rely on now is the interest. And if the interest is being taken away by way of zero coupon, then it means there's no, there's no insurance company again. It's, it's a very serious issue as far as insurance companies are concerned. Well, it's a very serious use, issue, you see. Uh, so you are saying that if government goes ahead with this move, uh, you will not be able to pay claims of clients, and this is going to be challenging for you. Am I to understand that of all the premiums you receive, you invest everything in government securities? Yes, we. you don't invest all, but even those that we invested in the other areas, also invested in the in the bonds. So whichever way to come back to slap you. We we are told in the life in the life companies, we are told that we should put our most of the monies into bonds because we are all aware that the bonds are the safest. Okay? The government will not we they, there's a saying that government will not disappoint, government will not fail. You can't you can't uh, you know serve the country. Okay. So in the our regulators are also interested in doing so. They've advised us to push a lot of our investments uh, into bonds because it's, it's the safest. Now we have done that, and the other one's now becoming the, 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 the battle for, for us to now go on our knees. So most of our monies went into that side, and the little that went into the other side also ended up in the bonds again, because that is where they can also go and get some interest. So that is where our problem is now. Well, well, if you follow government's engagement as far as this particular plan is concerned, it appears you may have no other option that to, uh, than to subject yourself to government's domestic debt exchange. Are you not satisfied with the kind of assurances government has given, the kind of assurances the Bank of Ghana has also given to ensure that depositors' funds are safeguarded and also pushing you industry players such as the insurance company, or you are saying that you are not going to uh, go ahead with this, although it's voluntary, you have no option than to do it? No, 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 no. In which way are they going to cushion this? That is the question. In which way are they going to? The stabilization fund that they have as, as, as set up, maybe what we can do is that when claims, uh, when claims crystallize, we'll push all to them to pay. Maybe that will, that will solve the problem. The stabilization fund will, will solve that problem. Because otherwise, there's no way we could go with zero uh, coupon. It's not done anywhere. I mean, you have promised people. You have promised people that on this day I will pay you so much. Then the person comes and sits in front of you. Then you tell him that you have had a haircut. Which 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 style of haircut? It's not done anywhere. You know, so it's going to bring a lot of distortions. People are going to take us to court because we will not be able to settle the no, the non-life people will not be able to settle claims on time even though they have been given judgment and all those things. So it means that the insurance is supposed to protect people's property and, like, and limbs is now suffering. 
So where are we? Because the surest way in your life is to talk about insurance everywhere. So if that insurance is supposed to protect you, your assets, your body, your, yourself, and your assets, is software, you cannot pay claims, then, then where are we? So it's not going to help us. Maybe some other areas, but as we see in, in, the, in the insurance industry, it's just not going to help us at all. Maybe they would like to talk with us further on these issues, but to say that we should succumb to zero coupon and then restructure the issues, it's, it's not done that way. It's not done at all, anywhere. It's only in Ghana you can find this thing happening. We, we were made to understand that those people, they made some five people to come around, five member committee. They came and took our grievances, all our concerns, everything. At the time that we were waiting that they would hear February from them, we only heard it on radio. That is the way they have gone. So they, well, then why was the new sending this normal people, respectable people to come and talk to in, in industry players? I, I don't I don't see it, my brother. I don't see it at all. We don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, as far as this is concerned. That we are going to suffer it as insurance industry if we don't sit up and make sure that these things are changed. So with this exemption that the association is calling for, what shape and form do you want it to take? Well, when we get to the river, we'll cross it. For now, no. I mean, the bridge will cross it. For now, this is what we are saying. We say zero. We don't want zero. We want to be exempted. If they engage us, we'll come back together as an industry. We'll think through it and see what the way forward. But as you see now, we don't want any, any haircut. We don't want it. We don't want any structuring of debt for us. We don't want it. To so the issue of the debt exchange, we don't want it. And we want the minister to call us through our, our, our regulator for us to sit and see what we can do. Because the, 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 the story is not the same everywhere. What may be happening in other uh, industries is not the same thing that we are facing. We all have our individual problems. Our DNA is not the same. So it is not that one size will fit all. No. So we want the government to meet with us and dialogue so that we'll see where we can meet with them. But as it exactly now, what I'm asking. So if you meet government, what are you going to put on the table? Well, that's what I'm saying that uh, we have not reached there yet. So I wouldn't like to leave that thing out now. We want them to show that goodwill. And when they, they show that goodwill and we meet them, we'll come back to you and inform you as to what we have done. But for now, it will be premature to say we are going to say A or B. Really? Okay, yeah, but <laughs> there are those who also say that even before this domestic debt exchange program, uh, insurance companies were having difficulties uh, paying claims. And so really, this your exemption you are calling for isn't really an issue. No, I, you know, that is, uh, when, when you do insurance and you don't make claims, you think insurance is useless. It is when you start making claims and you know that insurance is important. Normally, the law allows certain time for claims payment. For instance, let me take you to the injury side. When somebody is injured, you are not allowed to just rush and assess the injury and pay. They allow you, the person, to go to three medicals so that they will ascertain the real I mean, uh, you know, injury before they are allowed to pay. So when somebody is going through this particular process, then somebody will sit back and say, oh, yeah, today they say I should do this medical. Tomorrow they say I should do But it is your own good that you are asked to do those things. You see where the thing lies. So we have been told by National Insurance Commission to pay claims 
within certain time limits, and we are following it judiciously. So it is not, I won't say, it is, it is not fair to say that we, we don't pay claims or we, pay, we don't pay claims promptly. We do pay claims promptly. We pay genuine claims promptly. I bet you, my brother, some of the claims, when we investigate and we tell you, you, you marvel. The tissue claims are huge. You marvel. Able to take our time and sort out all those things and pay the genuine claims. But again, NIC will not allow you to sit back and not pay claims within the stipulated time. So we do pay claims. And like I said in my opening statement, we pay 4 million Ghana cities a day, claims alone. So when you're not affected, you think that, well, but who wants to die? But if the person dies, we pay immediately. But no one wants to die. If you want your money and you come to insurance companies and the life companies, within two days, you take your money. That I can show you. So it is not virtually incorrect to say that we don't pay claims. We do. We are in to pay claims. Indeed, to pay genuine claims. Where does the National Insurance Commission come in or stand as far as this uh, domestic debt exchange program is concerned? Is it on the same page with you as an insurance association? Yes, we met the commissioner. And then uh, out of uh, the meeting, the outcome was that we should have some two committees, the non-life and the life. And then we should look at certain things that we think that we can do within our, our own industry to mitigate some of the issues. But largely, what we are talking about cannot be sort, sorted out by the, uh, by the commissioner. It is above the commissioner. All that we are going to do, and we are doing now, committees are meeting from, from next week. They are, we are talking about our own in-house. But the bigger problem is out there. How to get this, our bonds, not to be touched. In any case, we are even asking that the bonds that are due now, a lot of the bonds are due in November. Today, they have not paid them. So we want those accrued bonds, I mean, interest, to, pay, to be paid out now before we start talking way forward. That has not been paid. It's going to dislodge and, and mismatch and destroy a lot of accounts this year. Companies are going to do double, double, double losses. Shareholders are going to cry. Nobody will be interested in... And surrenders in the life side is going to be huge because of panic. So at the end of the day, we'll, we'll go on our knees. There will not be insurance. We'll be raised. And without insurance, a lot of things cannot happen. A lot of things cannot. Even plane will not fly. <laughs> well, you have also expressed fears that uh, this debt exchange program will collapse the insurance industry. But are you also ready for any financial consequence as a, re as a result of your position to the program? Uh, whether we are ready. Uh, well, so we are thinking about ourselves for now. And think about you. Because it's not only us, but you too are part of it. Because insurance covers everybody. It is not only us or our shareholders or owners of the companies, but it is the people who have got their money. We are costing on people's money. So for now, we are crying for them. We are crying for them because they, they trusted us and they believe in us and they got their money. And we, 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 we vowed to do the best for them. So whatever it is, we have to do it at all costs. I don't know how, why we have arrived at where we are, but that is not my, our issue now. The issue is that if you touch that area, you are going to worry the insurance industry. Seriously, you are going to worry the insurance industry. And in no time, there will, there will not be an insurance company to sit anywhere and say he's doing insurance. And you can imagine the repercussions.
employment and other things. So many things will not happen. No, no flight. No, no, nothing will go on water. Nothing will go on road. Injuries and all those things. You can imagine it's chaos. So we are asking that the government should have a real look and see what they can do about this particular issue. It's, 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 it's a very serious issue that uh, we, 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 we have to look at and look at it properly. So we are saying that for now, no, we are pleading they should leave us alone to manage our claims because we are already paying claims, huge claims in a day, huge claims in a year. All that we are collecting, a lot of them cannot even meet the claims. But yet, we are able to go back to the investment to disinvest and come and continue to pay claims. And now when that one is not there, then there's no fallback. Nothing will happen. It means that there's no insurance company. All Indeed, right. We are, really, we are really in trouble. Let's leave it here. That's Dr. Aaron Issa Anafuri. Thank you so much, sir, for your time with us here on Eyewitness News. He is the first vice chair of the Ghana Insurance Association, the latest group to join the opposers of the government debt exchange program. They fear that the, in, uh, the insurance industry is almost at the verge of collapse as a result of the government's proposed domestic debt exchange program, and they are calling for an exemption in that regard. Yesterday, we brought you the opposers of government debt exchange program, 12 groups, the minority in parliament, the health services workers' union, the trade union congress, the Ghana National Association of Teachers, National Association of Graduate Teachers, the Ghana Registered Nurses and Midwives Association, the Chamber of Corporate Trustees, the Ghana Medical Association, the University Teachers Association of Ghana, Pharmaceutical Society of Ghana, Ghana Mine Workers Union, and the Ghana Securities Industry Association. Today, the Ghana Insurance Association has also joined in opposing the government domestic debt exchange program. This is still Eyewitness News or 97.3 CTFM. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Well, sorry to interrupt this program for a breaking news story. Information reaching us is that the whole country has been thrown into a state of joy and excitement about the new look of Total Energy's lubricants. Our correspondent Kwame Usu is standing by to bring us the very latest developments. Kwame, what exactly is the situation where you are? <laughs> Emmanuel, I must say there's a huge crowd here with divers and customers extremely excited about the new Total Energy's lubricants bottle. I have with me here one of the drivers. Hello, boss. Yes, sir. You are live on Quart 202.1 FM. Tell us the reason for your joy. My name is War War, and for 10 years, I use only Total Energy's lubricants for efficiency and performance of my car engine. With a new bottle, it's easier to read, carry, and pour. New bottle design and color, new label, new cap, and security features with a QR code. Massa is the same superior oil quality. Challenge, this is performance at first sight. So you heard it right. Total Energy's lubricants bottle have been entirely redesigned into a modern and premium pack to give you the best experience. Reporting live from the capital, this is Kwame Usu. Courts, keep your engine younger for longer. Fine, anyone can become a house. Oh, wow. Yeah, anyone. Whether market woman, student, professional, even fisherman or cobbler. 
Yugoflay, a real estate gaming platform that allows you to play and stand the chance of winning a house cash or other prizes, such as savings towards a house. Simple and easy to play. Visit www.yugoflip.com. Buy a ticket to enter the game. Wait for the end of the game to enjoy the win. Anyone can win. Contact us on 0555222490. Yugoflip. This advertisement has been vetted and approved by the Gaming Commission of Ghana. Play responsibly, not for persons below 18 years, and gaming can be addictive. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You welcome back and thank you for staying. This is still Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFA. My name is Ni Lati Lati here with Eno Safo. Let's move on and do more stories. This time around, the Ghana Union of Traders Association, Guta, is threatening uh, to permanently shut down the businesses of foreigners engaged in retail trade. Uh, we know that this issue has been happening for some time now. Let's get some more reaction from the Ghana Union of Traders Association. And Nana Kwabna Pepra is the Greater Accra Chairman of the Association. He joins us on Eyewitness News via telephone. Good evening to you, sir, and thank you for joining us on Eyewitness News. Uh, good evening, and then uh, good evening to your television. Right. Uh, we know that this is not the first time you've had issues with foreigners engaged in retail trade, particularly uh, your Nigerian counterpart this time around, uh, what really is the bone of contention leading to your threat of shutting their shops permanently? Mm, yeah, uh, <clears throat> uh, I, I would say we are not threatening anybody. But, uh, you know, quite recently, we have been uh, having issues with uh, foreigners in the country. And then uh, about two years ago, we are back on uh, closing down of uh, these foreign shops in our various markets. But due to the intervention of the president of the land, we decided to halt that operation. And then, then the president decided to set up a, a joint committee within the Nigerian community or Nigerian Traders Association, which is Mutag, and Ghana Traders Association, which is Zuta. And then we started engaging ourselves. Through the engagement, the two governments agreed that, uh, you know, in Ghana, if somebody wants to do, uh, or somebody wants to open a shop in some of our market areas, they have to... Uh, hire these shops by true lease or through advance payments. And then due to that, uh, the Nigerians were saying that uh, we should give them some time for them to use the remaining remaining uh, uh, years that they have in their lease agreement or in their, in their rent agreement to, to regularize their documents. And then this this was agreed by the two governments, meaning the Nigerian government and Ghana government. Due to that, that 
the the joint committee was 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 formed, and then the joint committee was formed by uh, 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 seven members from NITAG and then seven members from uh, Ghana Union of Traders Association. So if I get you if I, if I get you clearly, the issue really is that uh, the Nigerian traders are asking. Yeah you for more time to enable them regularize yeah. their documents so uh, yeah, if they have the, through, mm. the, through the new, new dispensation mm. yeah and, and so and what documents like what what documents are we even talking about in the first place we are talking about the grpc mm. uh, certificate mm. you know uh what they were saying was that uh, because if they raise the one million threshold and then pay the stamp duty of about 0.5% of that 1 million. It, it creates inconvenience for them. So governments should wait for them to use the remaining of their lease agreement with their various uh, shop owners to prepare themselves and then regularize their documents. And it was agreed by Ghana government and uh, uh, Ghana Union of Traders Association also. Which is a good time. And then the the joint committee was formed. And then the joint committee started working with the 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 the, the Nigerian uh, association. So we we asked the Nigerian or the foreigners to bring their documents because if government is going to give you any dispensation, then you have to be someone. Who, who, who abide by the rules of the of the nation by paying taxes. So we wanted to know whether the business that they are doing in our market, they are they are they are they are they are, they are paying the, the normal taxes to various agencies. So you have to be a, 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 a regular taxpayer. You have to have a, a registration document. You have to have your resident permit. You have to have your 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 working permit. Then we allow you to use the remaining years that you have with your your your, your landlord or your 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 your, your shop owner to to regularize other documents in order to 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 to, to do trading in Ghana. Then this has been going on for almost eight months now, but it was only ninety seven. Nigerians who applied to 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 opt for for this new dispensation. Out of which number? As for uh, I, I think that the 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 Nigerian business people around the whole country will be around two thousand or two thousand two hundred, but only ninety seven. Only ninety seven, and then even with that ninety seven, only thirty percent qualified. But in the wisdom of the leadership of Guta, the Guta people decided that we decided that no. So far as the 97 decided to, to, to opt for the new position, we should allow them to use the, the, the remainder of their tenancy uh, 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 agreement time to, to regularize their documents. So we said that all the 97 we should open their shop for them to use the remainder of their, their the remainder of their, their, their tenancy agreement to, to do the regularization. 
So this was what we, we have started doing. But those who have not opted for the new dispensation are, 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 are not going to be allowed to, 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 to do business in our, in our market. So it's a, it's a committee, the joint committee uh, 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 work that is being implemented by the, the retail trade committee. So the reason why you went to Kaswa, for example, to close down the shops of uh, yes, Nigerians there? Yes, we, we started from, uh, we started from uh, a second area, the Tito area. We went to uh, Abu Sokai and Kanishi area. We went to also uh, uh, Okanshi, Kantamantu, uh, uh, electrical area, and then and then other area around around Accra before heading to uh, Kaswa. So it's not it's not Buta who is doing that operation. It's the committee on retail trade that is that is that is that is uh, doing doing the operation. But but where do you stand as a, as a Guta? If you say it's the committee that is working on that particular thing. Oh yes, we agree to what they are doing. We agree. We are, we are, we totally agree. I represent Guta on the committee. I represent Guta on the retail trade committee at the Ministry of Trade. So we agree perfectly with what what the committee is doing. And then let me let me let me say this: Nigerian uh, leadership. The the the, the Nusag, uh, leadership, they know of what what I, what I'm what I'm trying to say this 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 evening. They know everything. Even those who qualify for us to open their shops, when we get to them, they approach us and then show their their letters from the ministry. Then we 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 we, we acknowledge it and then open their shops for them. So it's not like uh, it's a group from uh, Guta who is embarking on this this exercise. But, no, but, it's a but, national exercise from 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 Ministry of Trade. But but Mr. Pepra, you and I know that yeah. this is not the first time you've been going around closing down shops or the shops of yeah. uh, foreigners yeah. being closed. But really, yeah. there is always yeah. this back and forth. So really, what's the end game and what was the reason you have not been able to deal with this once and for all? Oh, this is this is this is a finality to everything because now those who qualify to do the who qualify for this new dispensation are those 97 ones that I'm saying that we are going to open the shop for them. For them to use the reminder of their, their tenancy agreement time to, to regularize their, 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 their documents. If they are able to do within that time, no problem. So be it. So what happens to the over 1,000 plus members? They have, have to not leave. Been... They have to leave. It's, it's, not, it's not allowed. This is these are investment laws. It's the laws we are talking of. We are not saying that people should leave or people are taking a, a business or people are doing something that is... No, we are saying that people should abide by the laws, the rules, the laws of this nation and then work like what Matmax and other companies are doing. They've all applied the GRPC certificate and then they have given a location and they are working at that location. That is what the investment laws of the, the, the nation is saying. So nobody is doing anything on toward. Are you also going to give an opportunity for these uh, Nigerian traders who are not complying with the uh, directive to also come to the table and, and, and then you find an amicable solution? Because they are also lamenting the impact of the closure of their shops on their livelihoods. Uh, isn't it something that you should it's, consider? It's, 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 it's something that uh, unless as as as, as a member of the committee, 
one member of the committee, I can be saying things on on, on that unless it is 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 is, is decided from the highest level. So it was it was bilateral agreement between government and government. So who am I to to say we are going to do this or that? I, I but but, but I we also I say that maybe you may have to go back to the discussion table and then, then fashion they, out. They have to go back to their government. It's a bilateral uh, agree, uh, discussion you see. Uh, you can also take the step, can't you? Why, why should I take the step? I'm, I'm, I'm complaining that what they are doing is against the law. You are complaining. Exact then, reason why then, you must begin the discussion again, if, if need be. Don't you think so? So far as I'm complaining, if you are complaining that somebody is taking your car, and then uh, uh, you've agreed with uh, some people that oh, uh, 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 the, the guy should leave the car for for maybe next year, and then the guy is not doing that, then I, I'm, I'm I'm now the, the time has come for for the guy to leave my car for me, and then you say I should go and encourage my the, the guy to come and take my car. Oh no, that's not what nobody, I'm saying. I'm, I'm just saying that. that maybe go back to the uh, the discussion between that, you that, and, that, and that 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 will be because it doesn't appear they are they are willing to leave, and that's the concern yeah, yeah. here. No, they have to abide by the rules, and they, they they have to comply. There are so many Ghanaians, or there are so many foreigners in Nigeria. But I think they are 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 going by their 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 laws there. They are not going against their their laws there. Other than that, they will they will take uh, 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 measures that will that will that will that will go against them. No foreigner can do that in any 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 foreign land. No Ghanaian will go to uh, Europe or any and then say that oh. Now, uh, this is what you people are doing here. The, your law says we should do this, but me, I won't do it. I want to do this and do that. No, you can't do that. <laughs> Even the president of the land is, is not about the laws of the country. We are all equal before the law. Maybe let me put it so this, this way. Is not what we are saying. We are talking about the law. We are not talking about sentiment that somebody wants to do something and then get something. No. They are saying that go by the rules of the law of the land that governs the, the trade business in, in Ghana so that you can do your work like what some of the companies are doing. We have examples here. That's why I'm saying go to Mahmat, go to this Okadoka, Oka, uh, 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 the people, the Orokana big house. They've all registered with the, uh, the, 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 uh, with the GRPC. They have given them a location. And they are working there peacefully. No Buta member or no trader association can go there and say, no, do this or do that. When you go, you see their certificates pasted on their walls. So they should do that and do their work peacefully. That is why there's an window that if you want to do trading, go to GIPC, apply for their certificate. They will come and check because the laws of the land says that if you want to do trading it, you, and you are a foreigner, you can't do it in our market or any other place. So that place should be defined by GRPC. So that when they give you the certificate, they, 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 they give you where you can locate your business. Is this something that already exists or is something you are now pushing for? 
for um, almost about 13 to 14 years ago. The, 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 the law was reviewed by when uh, 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 Honorable Nanatete was a minister, uh, at the minister was a minister at the, at the Ministry of Trade. All right, let's leave it here. That's a uh, greater okay, chairman of the Ghana Union of Traders Association, Nana Kwabna Pepra, uh, speaking to us here on Eyewitness News. Uh, really, foreigners in the country whose shops have been locked up by Guta uh, risk a permanent shutdown of their businesses if they do not acquire the requisite document to operate. So some shops we know in Kaswa were closed recently. Uh, a number of them belonging to Nigerians engaged in retail trade. They are lamenting the impact just because they have rejected uh, a special dispensation granted them by the government of Ghana despite a series of uh, diplomatic efforts by both Ghana and the Nigerian government. And so you heard us engage the Greater Accra Chairman of the Ghana Union of Traders Association, Nana Kwabna Pepra. This is still live with this news on 97.3 CTFM with me, Ni Late Late, and Enu Safore 10 with more. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. There's something special happening at Heritage Christian College. Their bustling campus is right in the heart of Amasaman, just behind the Olympic Stadium. And it will amaze you what they are doing there. Heritage Christian College is churning out academic excellence with their comprehensive range of degrees, including Bachelor of Business Administration programs, IT, and Theology. Don't forget to ask about their professional programs and short courses. What makes Heritage special? Heritage Christian College takes the academic experience further than ever with one laptop per student flexible fee payment entrepreneurial training with financial support all delivered by a caring faculty working to develop your character and your intellect admissions are in progress so call today on 054 771 and get accepted for more information go to hcuc.edu.gh heritage christian college a university educating compassionate entrepreneurial leaders imagine imagine you are home for the christmas holidays happy <laughs> you are trying to make new meals with exciting recipes you found on youtube you're posting pictures of your activities on social media you're playing online games watching live matches you're streaming movies you're chatting you're video calling you're browsing you are happy this is an unlimited Vodafone Christmas. The unlimited Christmas promo is back. Get 30 days of unlimited browsing on Vodafone Fixed Broadband when you pay two months or more in advance. Stay connected this Christmas. Simply dial star 900 hash. Visit www.fbp.vodafone.com or download my Vodafone app to subscribe now. Terms and conditions apply. Vodafone, further together. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. 97.3 CTFM. This is Eyewitness News live from our studios at number 11, Dr. Maltin Loop in Adabraka, Accra. My name is Ni Lati Lati. I'm here with Enosafu who brings us more stories.
Shop owners at Roman Ridge along the Unyasia Crescent Street in Accra are appealing to the government to temporarily halt its planned demolition of their shops for developmental works. The traders lament the area has no markets, thus the decision to destroy their shops will make access to basic household needs difficult. Speaking to the media, the spokesperson of the group, Sewa Samwa, wants the government to either compensate them or finalize processes for a memorandum of understanding in order to have a new market constructed. Roma Ridge community has no market and residents of the community must travel outside the community to buy their daily needs. We have taken bank loans to invest in developing the temporary commercial structures to serve our community's convenient needs. And a removal within the two weeks' time limit will impose untold hardship, financial hardship on us and our workers. We are therefore very shocked to have received this notification from the principal estate officer of the ministry to vacate the place within that short period with its attendant consequences on the health of our businesses. That the place, if destroyed, will be left dilapidated and ruddy for a long time. In this regard, we pray for your kindest consideration to intervene in the above issues to help us stay in business and to serve ourselves our community needs. Please, it would interest you to know that we had meetings with the Minister and Management of the Ministry of Works and Housing and they promised to build shops to relocate us there by signing on MOU. We are sad to inform you that this promise has not been fulfilled. Sewa Samoa is the spokesperson for the shop owners whose shops have been earmarked for demolition at Roman Ridge. Now, the Speaker of Parliament, Alban Bagben, has called for further engagement from the Electoral Commission before it lays before the House the constitutional instruments that seeks to make the Ghana card the sole document for the election 2024 voters register. Members of Parliament, particularly those on the minority side, are skeptical about the Electoral Commission's ability to effectively apply the CI in light of challenges with the acquisition of the Ghana card. The Speaker has thus reiterated his no to the electoral management body to engage the House further before laying the constitutional instrument. If what is being alleged is anything to go by, the Electoral Commission is giving notice. I believe it's not the case, because they know they cannot go on the offensive against an arm of government. We are not just a state institution. We are not just an administrative body. This is an arm of government. And when they talk about independence of arms, they really mean that neither arm, whether the executive or the judiciary, controls the other arm. We don't also control the executive, we don't control the judiciary. That is what the separation of powers is all about. We have to work together because we lead the country, the three arms. And so there is no way that a subsidiary body can be on an offensive. We passed the law to create the Electoral Commission. It was simply guaranteed in the Constitution, but we had to pass a law to establish it. I hope this is enough notice. I must be given the brief before I can exercise my authority to allow the business to be provided and presented to the House. 
but I'll cross-check to make sure that the official communication has been given. I don't take the peace of this country for granted, and I will not do anything to endanger it. I mean what I say. That was the Speaker of Parliament, Alban Bagbin. Now, Parliament has approved the nomination of Justices Barbara Francis Akayinsu and Samuel Kwame Adibu into the Supreme Court. The House unanimously adopted the consensual report from the Appointments Committee, which was tasked with the vetting of the nominees. In presenting the report, Chairman of the Committee, Joseph Osewusu, said, the two judges demonstrated dexterity in the knowledge of the law. Here, Speaker of Parliament announcing the decision after the debate. Of the adoption of the report, say aye. aye. Those against say no. The ayes have it. The motion is accordingly adopted. The House has, by this adoption, approved the nominations of His Excellency the President of the following persons as justices of the Supreme Court in accordance with Article 1442 of the 1992 Constitution. The persons are Justice Barbara Francis Akayensu and Justice Samuel Kwame. Meanwhile, Minority Leader Harun Idrisu has questioned the lack of a cap on the number of Supreme Court judges. He has therefore called on Parliament to work on finding solutions to the matter. Mr. Speaker, it has always been my position that Ghana does not need more than 13 justices of the Supreme Court because you can empanel from five, the Chief Justice can empanel from five, expand it to nine, and expand it to 13. That should be it. So this parliament somehow must find a way to limit the numbers of, uh, of justices of the Supreme Court that the president can appoint. We have seen President Akufuado take full advantage of it. He has appointed more Supreme Court justices than any other president has done under the Fourth Republic. It is within his right. It is within his power. It is within his mandate. But Mr. Speaker, can this parliament say that at any time we will not allow the president in the exercise of his power to exceed 13. That will be my, 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 my submission. You heard the minority leader, Haruna Idrisu. Now, the Commission on Human Rights and Administrative Justice says that it remains helpless in enforcing Chapter 24 of the Constitution, which focuses on the Code of Conduct for public officers. The Code of Conduct provides that public officers comply with oaths, conflicts of interest, and declare their assets and liabilities upon assumption of office. But the provision is flouted on many occasions. The situation, Shraj believes, breeds public service corruption. Shraj is, however, confident the yet-to-be-passed conduct of public officers' bill will be an antidote to this challenge. Speaking at an event to mark the 2022 edition of the International Anti-Corruption Day, Commissioner of Shraj, Joseph Whittle, disclosed the bill is currently pending approval from Cabinet three years since it was drafted. No one can deny the importance of the Code of Conduct for public officers in the fight against corruption. Indeed, allegations of non-compliance with Chapter 24 of the Constitution, especially conflict of interest, 
and non-deterioration of assets and liabilities continue to bedevil the media space. I think you all know what is happening. This year alone, the Commission received a record number of cases bordering on non-compliance and contravention of Chapter 24 of the Constitution, and we are currently investigating. Say, efforts to give practical effect to Chapter 24 of the Constitution has resulted in the introduction of the Conduct of Public Officers Bill, which we call the Copo Bill, which has been laid in Parliament three times between 2008 and 2020 would have been enacted into law, and which is presently pending before cabinet for consideration. Now, this is quite troubling. Our fear is that if action is not taken, the Copo Bill might suffer the same challenges that the Right to Information Bill faced before it was eventually passed into law. If we're going to fight corruption, this situation certainly is not desirable. That was the Commission on Human Rights and Administrative Justice, Joseph Whittle. Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. More stories now. And last month, the National Democratic Congress went to the polls to elect regional executive elections. The time now is ripe for the election of national executive elections. Tomorrow, the party will be going to the polls uh, to elect national youth organizers as well as the women's organizer. And that particular election is happening in Cape Coast, in the central region, specifically the University of Cape Coast. Let's go to Cape Coast now and gauge the mood ahead of the polls. Calvis Tete is a man on the grounds. Calvis, how are things turning up in Cape Coast? Well, uh, it's a charged atmosphere here in the central region of capital, Cape Coast. Um, a lot of people are trooping into the capital, one because of the uh, the conference, NDC conference tomorrow at the University of Cape Coast. Uh, I could count as much as over 100 uh, party paraphernalias across the municipality. Uh, I've seen party supporters who are also clad in party colors, I mean, uh, uh, chanting uh, songs for their uh, preferred candidates. Um, I spoke to the police earlier, and the police is of the assurance that uh, they have the men to ensure that the exercise is successful. Electoral Commission officials are also in hand to ensure that the process starts peacefully tomorrow. Uh, I also spoke to the deputy uh, secretary of the party in the region, Eric Ofei, um, who said that uh, the exercise is coming on as planned and that the NDC is assured they are going to elect the best candidates in terms of the national youth organizer and national women's organizer to lead the party to victory 2024. Me. All right. Uh, you have mentioned that Electoral Commission officials and the National Congress Planning Committee of the party say they are ready to ensure a smooth process. In the morning, you reported that there was huge police presence in the central region. Is it still there? Yes, you know, um, the police presence is still there. You know, sometimes elections of such nature has a bit of a, a, a pressure here and there, and the police are in the capital to ensure that the process is successful. Majority of them are, are placed at the UCC uh, area where the exercise will take place tomorrow. You could see police officers around the campus just to ensure that the exercise is successful tomorrow. Um, this is also a time for uh, the persons who are selling party paraphernalia to also cash in. And uh, uh, indeed, some of them 
uh, have having staff, spotted some of them uh, who have packed their party paraphernalia in certain corners of the municipality, trying to sell them to make money. Me. So tomorrow, how is it going to look like in terms of the election? When is it starting? How many delegates are we expecting? Well, uh, we are expecting 1,972 delegates who are going to cast their vote to elect the national youth organizer and national women's organizer positions. Um, um, tomorrow morning, I'm, from what I've learned, the exercise will start at around 9 o'clock in the morning. Uh, but uh, that is uh, if everything goes well. Sometimes exercise of such nature, sometimes the, the time is not exactly what they say it is. But we are hoping that the exercise will start successfully for the, uh, the, the delegates to cast their votes in. All right, thank you. Keep an eye on that election as it begins tomorrow and update us in a subsequent bulletin. But that's Calvis Tete, our central regional correspondent, bringing us up to speed on events leading to the conduct of the elections for the National Democratic Congress as far as their national executive elections is concerned. Tomorrow, they are going to the polls to elect their national youth organizer and the women's organizer at Cape Coast, at the University of Cape Coast in the central region. We'll be bringing you more here on 97.3 CTFM as well as City TV and online on citynewsroom.com. This is still Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We return with the latest in the world of business. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Michael Obudu. Let's settle for the details now. Enterprises operating under the ambit of the Ghana Free Zones Authority are being charged to embrace positive industrial competitions which attract investments from the African regional borders. According to the Free Zones Authority, this can be achieved using feasible economic policies that resonate with international standards. His comment comes on the back of trade liberalization on the African continent using the Africa Continental Free Trade Area. Here is the chief executive officer of the Ghana Free Zones Authority, Michael Okwe Jr. There is no doubt that there is intense competition among developing countries. Ghana must be able to attract regional value chain and global value chain which is linked to investment in this area. And we need to use various policy tools of which the special economic zones is considered the most powerful. It is clear to all of us that after COVID and the Russia-Ukraine war, traditional supply chains from Europe, America, China, India, Turkey, etc. cannot sustain us in terms of our needs. We need to drive our own business vehicles and fly our own business jets all over Africa. And therefore, the Africa Continental Free Trade Area is our only solution to self-reliance in Africa. The time to walk the talk is now, and the Ghana Free Zones Association is ready to take this charge in tandem with AFTA Secretariat and the Ministry of Trade and Industry. 
That was the chief executive officer of the Ghana Free Zones Authority, Mike Okui Jr. Now, the Ghana Insurers Association has called for the exemption of the insurance companies from the Domestic Debt Exchange Program. According to the association, 40% of their total assets for third uh, quarter of this year investment in government of Ghana securities. They therefore warn that should government go ahead and include insurance companies in the program, there will be a collapse of the industry as they will not be able to pay the claims of their clients. Seth Koblaakwesi is the president of the association. Insurance companies must be exempted from the domestic debt exchange. In uncertain times like this, entities must protect their assets through insurance, which is a key risk management tool. Anything short of an exemption will have far-reaching consequences for the insurance industry and the important role they play in protecting assets and liabilities of this country. This will also discourage the citizenry from taking up life and annuity policies. Insurance has been identified as one of the important tools for increasing financial inclusion from the current 58% to 75% by the year 2023. There must therefore be actions of government that repose confidence in insurance. This, this is important to help formalize the informal sector, which constitutes over 80% of the Ghanaian wealth. Finally, some insurance companies have their funds locked up in banks and other institutions which were part of the banking claim. Government should ensure release of these funds to the insurance companies concerned. This will help improve the liquidity position of the company. In, a, in the absence of the foregoing, the insurance and reinsurance companies will be happy to seed or transfer all our claims to the stabilization fund that they have announced. That was the president of the Ghana Insurance Association, Seth Koblan Akwesi. Now, players in the agricultural value chain have indicated that a more practical and sustainable approach in the implementation of the government's One Village, One Dam could lead to almost triple in the level of food production in the country. On assuming office in 2017, the Nana led government set out its plan to construct the dam under the One Village, one dam initiative but the project has been bedeviled with a lot of controversies however vice president of the oil palm development association of ghana isa Oadrogo, believes the policy if effectively implemented has the potential to significantly enhance ghana's agricultural sector we know especially in the north in the west may not be so much dramatic in the west we still need it because in the west we still have a lot of water bodies in these water bodies, we need to train our farmers and encourage them to use some, most of them, or some of them where possible, to do what we call dugout. It shouldn't be probably a big dam, but they, they call it dugout. You dig so that <clears throat> during the dry season, you will be able to use that in doing farming. In the west, where the dry season period is not just, it's not as long as it the north they can then have small small dams or small water dig the water bodies and use it that is doable in the north um we know the long dry season period so that's where we need much bigger dugouts or dams and if we have that and the farmers are trained then we can be assured that the food the kind of food stuff we have today the quantum we have today can be quadrupled because the farmer will be able to do that throughout the year 
I think they do it once or twice. If they do twice, they can do four times. And that is where we have to look at it and not only say it and make sure that the implementation is systematically um, done. Vice President of the Oil Palm Development Association of Ghana, Isa Wadrogo. Now, stakeholders within the energy sector are pushing for the speedy uh, efforts towards developing a comprehensive national policy and a roadmap on hydrogen energy. This executive chairman of G GMEA Group, Charles Laba, notes will activate the needed investment and business activity relating to hydrogen in the country as well as accelerate the country's national energy and climate plan. Speaking during the Offshore Africa Energy Summit 2022 organized by Jobet Communication Limited in Accra, he also noted this could stimulate capital spending on new infrastructure and spur sustainable economic growth and development in the post-pandemic era. We have to make ourselves ready. We have to enable ourselves and be prepared for what's coming. Hydrogen is coming. There's no stopping. It's a matter of will we be ready when this comes or will we not be ready? If we look back at the history of Ghana when we discovered oil in 2008, we were not ready for it. And that created a backlog of processes and procedures that did not allow us to capitalize on the oil boom earlier on than we did. And the same story happens, will happen with hydrogen. If we are not ready, if legislature is not in place, if processes and procedures are not put in place, if all the different mechanics are not put in place, when hydrogen comes and it's there, we will not be ready. If we don't have the right policies in place and we don't welcome investors we, with open arms, not conditionally welcome that this and that and that, for, for investors, look, we're a small country. We, don't, we can't afford this. The investment is going to be in billions of dollars. We can't do it. We don't have that money. So we have to encourage potential investors who are interested in doing this to come with us, hold our hands, we work together, we enable ourselves along the way, and hopefully these years ahead of us, we will be self-enabled and we can do it ourselves. That was the executive chairman of GME Group, Charles Laba. That's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Michael Obodu. Thank you for listening. As always, please stay safe. Up next is Point Blank. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. My man, I heard there's a new app on the streets that does it all for you. Ah, really? <laughs> How is that possible? Charlie, I also could not believe you too. But I downloaded the app and I'm telling you, I was able to chat with my friends, make video calls and... Well, we know of many apps that can do that. Oh, let me finish that. I was also able to listen to the latest songs, play games and read the latest sports news. For you? Yeah. And I can send and receive money from the <laughs> Amazing, no? What's the name of this app? It's called Ayoba. Ayoba. Yeah, Ayoba. Get Ayoba. You're all in one app that lets you chat, call, share, play, pay, and listen to music all in one app for everyone. Enjoy Ayoba with MTN and download the Ayoba app today. Everywhere you go.
Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. My name is Ni Lati Lati. Time now for Point Blank. And today we take you to the camp of former President John Dramani Mahama because he has been speaking again on the President's refusal to reshuffle his ministers. Well, according to the former President, reshuffling of ministers and government appointees is mandatory in every administration. In fact, he contends the continuous stay of some ministers in a particular office prevents them from bringing out their best. John Dramani Mahama was speaking to students of the Academic City University College on the topic Thinking Critical Decisions in Decisive Moments as a Leader. Here is some excerpt. I served as Vice President and President. And that is where the real gravity of decision-making comes. Because whatever decision you take, you take impacts somebody or other in a certain way. And so as vice president and president, you have certain bodies that assist you with decision-making. And the first one I'll talk about is the National Security Council. The National Security Council is a council made up of all service commanders and it's got other members, the Minister of Interior and other people there. And um, it's got the BNI, I hear they've changed it to NIB uh, now. And all these, the National Security Council, all of them have a responsibility to feed the President with up-to-date, valid information in decision-making. And so if you go to every district, you have a National Security Officer there, you have a BNI Officer there. He gathers data on everything that is happening in the country, in every district. And he forwards it to the National Security Council Secretary. And so the President has a National Security Briefing every Monday morning, first thing. And you are told what is happening in every part of the country. That is to keep you abreast with what is happening, they give you the intel, so that if you have to take any decisions, you have the relevant information to be able to do that. The president gets the briefing, the vice president too gets the, the, the briefing. And so the National Security Council is one of the important uh, bodies that helps the president in terms of providing him with the relevant intel and information to be able to take decisions that are well informed. And then you have the Council of State, which is an advisory body. They meet the president once a year. And what they do is they raise many issues that are going on within the country. And they raise them with the president. They listen to the president. At the end of it, they have a report where they give advice on decisions they think the president should take or things that are not going so well. And so the president needs to take decisions to rectify whatever it is. So you have bodies like that to help assist you in terms of decision making. Then one of the most important ones is your cabinet. Cabinet meets every two weeks. 
There are so many decisions that have to be taken in terms of policy, in terms of the economy, in terms of education, health, just name it, as, as many as you have sectors. And the president alone cannot sit and just be fed with all these things and take decisions on all of them. And so every two weeks, he has a cabinet of his ministers who join him, sit down, and they bring cabinet, they call them cabinet briefs. So they bring cabinet briefs on various things, decisions that need to be made in terms of policy. And so there's a discussion. The president uh, heads the cabinet. He's chair of the cabinet, so he moderates it. And so there's a discussion. You allow a discussion. You take it agenda items one by one, and you allow a thorough discussion you know, on, on, on the uh, issue. And then at the end of it, the onus lies on the president to make the decision on what he thinks the decision should be after having listened to all his cabinet ministers. And so when that is done, it is recorded as a decision of cabinet. You know, it's a decision of the president, but it's a cabinet um, uh, uh, decision. Then you have other bodies like the economic advisory team. And that one focuses just on the economy. Um, in some cases, you call it the economic management team. And um, it must be a solid team. You need a solid team. <laughs> I don't know about this current one. <laughs> but where they have led us, I wonder about their solidity. <laughs> you know, so the economic management team, convention now makes it headed by the vice president. But the president is supposed to be the chair of the economic management team, but recently it's been delegated to the vice president. It started from President Rawlings. Rawlings was a soldier, and he didn't have time for these technical arguments and all the niceties about policy making and all that. So luckily, he had a technocrat as his vice president, who was Professor Ivan Sata Mills. So he made Professor Mills chair the economic management team. And so when Professor Mills became president, he also asked me to chair the economic management team. So as vice president, I chaired the economic management team. And um, I think uh, President Akufadu too has made his vice president, Dr. Baumia, chair the economic management team. But this is a team that meets once a month, you know, and uh, the team has the finance minister, the uh, governor of the Bank of Ghana, uh, some learned economists and all that as part of the team. And what they do is they get a state, uh, a report on the state of the economy, and um, they advise on what should be done in terms of decision making with, with the economy. So for instance, uh, this decision to go to the IMF, the IMF agreements, that is what government agrees to, will go to the economic management team and it will be finalized by the economic management team. Then it goes to the president. And this is the advice of the economic management team to the president. But eventually, the decision to enter into the staff agreement with the IMF will be the decision of the president, but upon advice of committees like this. Apart from that, the president can set up ad hoc committees to help him in decision making. In our uh, local language, they say, uh, uh, or something like that. And or you, it could be that you know, or in English they say two heads are better than one. So in many cases of decision making, 
you, even though you take the eventual decision, you want to make sure that you share as many views as possible and get as much good advice and information as possible before you go ahead and take that decision. <coughs> now, I'll give you many, several decision points that I faced when I was uh, president. And um, the first one was um, the energy crisis. Some of you must have been very little at the time. Uh, but you remember Doomso. <laughs> Doomso was a legacy problem. For many years, our demand for energy was growing by 12% a year. We're consuming 12% more energy every year. Unfortunately, previous governments they were not putting in generation at the pace at which demand was rising. Because you must forecast demand, and then you must put in the generation to match the demand as it grows. Unfortunately, for several years, no new power plant was put up to meet the demand. And it all came to a head when I became president. I was so unfortunate, you know. When I became president, one um, of the thermal, and it took out almost 200 megawatts from the system. But at the time, our demand had outpaced the supply. And so once this one went down, we had to start um, uh, power uh, rationing. It meant that you'll be on for this period, then you go off, another place comes on. You know, uh, they call it load shedding. The technical name for it is load shedding. And so they started load shedding. And so I'm sure all of you, when you were kids at home, when the lights go off, you help your parents to shout, oh, Bahama. <laughs> but, but you see how unfair it is. Today, when the lights go, we say, oh, ECG for some hard drink. By that time, if the lights went off, it was the president. But, I mean, uh, that's the, those are the hazards of leadership, you know, and I accepted them in my stride. And so I had to go to Parliament. It was a State of the Nation address. And I said, this is the problem we're faced with. I analyzed the problem and everything. One of the things you must do as a leader in taking decisions is not to shift blame. It's to accept responsibility. It's when you've accepted responsibility that you have the platform and the courage with which to deal with the problem. And so I had to go take responsibility. I went, I said, look, it's a legacy problem. Our generation is not matching up. But I was elected for a time like this, and so I'll fix it. And so I set up an emergency committee to deal with the um, uh, a crisis. And we met weekly. And uh, crisis was in two parts. It was a problem of generation and also a financial problem. The few independent power producers we had were not generating enough money from our electricity tariffs to be able to pay them for the power they were supplying. And so very fantastic team. We brought all the leaders of the power utilities together and brought some experts in the energy sector together. And we met weekly. And I'm happy to say that we mobilized 
almost 500 megawatts of power in the shortest possible time ever recorded in Africa. Because in a period of I read the State of the Nation address in February. In a period of nine months after February, we had the Ameri power plants producing power, and we had the car power plant, which is a floating uh, power badge. It was anchored and also producing power. So we solved the generational part. And so now it was left to the financial uh, part. And so we came up with the concept of the energy sector levy. You've heard of ESLA. And so ESLA was supposed to generate additional revenues, which we used to pay some of the legacy debts from the energy, uh, uh, the independent power producers. And then also to pay off the BDCs who had been supplying petroleum that we were owing. And so that, that happened. Today, that ESLA has been mortgaged by this government. We've taken the money in advance and spent it and collateralized it till 2035. And so till 2035, when we finished paying off, those uh, um, revenues have been mortgaged. But because we're going into an IMF program, it is likely that in the debt restructuring, IMF will count ESLA as part of the public debt. And if they do, then it means that it will be treated as part of the debt operation. And if that is done, it will free up the uh, ESLA monies probably to be used to do exactly what they were meant to do, to pay off the shortfall in energy debt. The other decisions we took, like uh, uh, converting the polytechnics to technical universities, and that one, Nana Jane, was my chief advisor in charting that course. Um, there were a lot of people who were not for it, you know, and said that polytechnics must remain polytechnics. But we're having a problem with placement of polytechnic students, especially when they did the, their program called the HND. And so it was a decision we had to take. Fortunately, cabinet was available. Nana, who had been the first female vice chancellor of the University of Cape Coast, was very well apprised of the uh, problem. And so we were able to um, take decisions about it. One of the very important aspects of decision-making for presidents is dealing with corruption. It's not as easy as you think it is. And sometimes the person who's been involved in corruption is somebody that you know very well, and probably somebody who's been a member of your team. But unfortunately, he's falling you know, by the wayside. You have to gather the courage and boldness to deal with it, to serve as a deterrent to everybody that, look, if it comes to this, I will take action. You know, unfortunately, that's part of the problem we're facing today, that one, the president cannot sack people who have been accused of corruption and so on and so forth. I face one particular um, one. I won't mention the name, but uh, for those of you who remember, there had been a procurement that had taken place and the minister had not gone through the procurement processes properly. And as a result of that, there was an accusation that the cost of the procurement was far above you know, what it should be. And it created a major uh, scandal for government. 
And so I asked the Attorney General at the time, Marita Brewer-Piaupong, and the Chief of Staff to investigate the allegations. And they did, and they brought a report. The report, you know, confirmed that the procurement process was not gone through properly, and that there was the possibility that the deal was overpriced by about a million and something CDs. And so when the report came, I called the minister involved. And I said, unfortunately, this report is not favorable uh, to you at all. And so I have to give you the option to either tender your resignation letter or I'll have to dismiss you. And uh, she tendered her resignation letter. There was somebody very dear to me and very close to me, but I mean, we had to take the decision when we had to take it. And so taking such decisive actions on your colleagues, your comrades, you know, I mean, like the president of this university, if something goes amiss or somebody is involved in something, a scandal or something that it shouldn't be, he'll have to gather the courage, you know, to, to either fire you or suspend you or something, because these are decisions that need to be made in order that governance in a society or in a university or in a, in a, in a country would continue to, to go properly. And so there's another case in which um, I ordered a commission of inquiry into another scandal that had taken place. And um, eventually the report came. And um, it indicted one of my, my friends. It was a member of parliament with me. I'd been in parliament with him. And um, the attorney general uh, came out with the report and said, unfortunately, she would have to prosecute that person. And so she needed my permission to go ahead. And I said, go ahead. And so she did. And he was convicted and served a prison sentence. Uh, recently, he was pardoned by the current president you know, on held grounds. <coughs> but these are some of the decision points that we have had to take. Others are reshuffle of ministers. You know, you have to, after a while, take a look at the performance of your ministers. And based on the performance, you must decide to drop some people, and you can also decide to shift some people to other places. They are probably good, but they are not finding their feet in the ministry you send them. And so after observing them for a year or two, you see that, look, I mean, this person will do better here because of these qualities he has. And so you move him there and you bring somebody uh, else. Aside from that, sometimes you take decisions to move people because you don't want them to create kingdoms in the ministries in which they, they are. When the staff of a ministry or an agency know that this person is untouchable, then it does not bring out the best in, in them because they know, well, he's going to be there forever. And so even if he's doing the wrong thing, we can't say it, you know. And it becomes like a fiefdom. And this is what is happening today. There are some of the ministers who treat the ministry like it's their property and that they brought it from wherever their hometowns are, you know, and that they are the monarchs of all the survey in, in the ministry. And so they keep everybody, you know, in fear of them. Do you know me and the president used to play? You people don't know Gota to Gota. When we were young, the streets, there's one gutter here, there's one gutter here. And 
when there are no cars coming, we'll put two stones, and then we'll get a ball, and then we'll play between the two gutters. And we, so we call it gutter to gutter. Uh -huh. So if me and President were children together, we played gutter to gutter. We went hunting with catapults. I'm sure you don't know what a catapult is. <laughs> we climbed trees to eat mangoes. How many of you have climbed trees before? <laughs> we climbed trees to eat mangoes and all kinds of things. So some people have known the president since, the, the point I'm just trying to make is that some people have known the president since they were children together. That was President, former President John Dramani Mahama stressing the need for government to embark on a reshuffling exercise. And that will be all for today's edition of Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. My name is Neil Atelati, show produced by Beverly London. Many thanks indeed for your company. Next is Post Panorama. And get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM, and on Twitter at City 973. City 97.3. Accra. Mohammed Polo, the dribbling magician. Mohammed Polo, the magnificent. The story about the, 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 the magician player. 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 Magician player, magician player, magician player.